Thanks for listening to Hallelujah, I Have Breakthrough, hosted by Kiara Bryant. Listen every Wednesday and Sunday as Kiara talks about walking in victory, breakthrough, and overcoming by the Word of God. everybody happy sunday welcome back to another episode of the podcast i hope you guys are having an amazing day so far and an amazing start off to your week today i'm going to be reading in the book of proverbs so if you have your bible or if you're reading along in the bible app go to proverbs chapter 16 and i'm just gonna jump right into it so the first translation i'm going to be reading in is in the new living translation and then i'm also going to read in the amplified translation as well it says we can make our own plans but the lord gives the right answer people may be pure in their own eyes but the lord examines their motives commit your actions to the lord and your plans will succeed and in the amplified version it says the plans and reflections of the heart belong to man But the wise answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean and innocent in his own eyes, and he may see nothing wrong with his actions. But the Lord weighs and examines the motives and intents of the heart and knows the truth. Commit your works to the Lord. Submit and trust them to him. And your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and guidance. The Amplified Version just brings the word like so alive to me, like the Bible is already alive and it's breathing and active, Um, but the Amplified Version, it just, it adds like an extra like power to that. It says, commit your works to the Lord and submit and trust them, trust your works to God and your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and guidance. Hallelujah, like that is so good. So I just want to kind of break down these verses. So the first one says we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives us the right answer. The second one says people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. And the third one says commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. When I was actually doing, when I I was reading and this just, this Bible verse like came alive to me. It was so good. It like really stood out. Not to say that none of the others don't, but you read something and it just pops out at you and you're like, wow, that's so good. So as I was like digging and doing more research into this, I I was kind of just going with the flow of the Holy Spirit and I was like, okay, I'm going to break down each one of these verses. And as I was doing that, I was like, wow, I mean, because the Bible is the full counsel of God, uh, the full counsel of God's word, you know, it all, it all meshes in together. It all like adds up. It, it just, I don't even know the word for it. It's just cohesive. It's his word and it doesn't change and it's not contradictory or anything like that. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to, the first, or sorry, the second verse I'm going to be reading out of is 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10 through 15. Okay, so it says, so Elijah went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. 
But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you have said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what is left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. I read till verse 16, sorry. So I love this because relating it back to verse 1 in Proverbs chapter 16, it says, it says we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. So the widow made her own plans. She had planned to eat her last meal, and then her and her son were going to die. That's what she said. They didn't have any other food left. They were going to eat their last meal, and they were planning on dying. So that was their plan. But then verse 1 goes on to say that the Lord always gives the right answer. And what was the right answer in this case? The answer was given through Elijah. He said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've just said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. So her preparation was to start cooking their last meal. And God's answer was for them to be provided for, have provision, and be fed up until the time where God was going to send rain for the crops to grow again. He says that there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers. And all that she had to do was give him a little bit of bread first. That was all that he had to do. And that kind of flows into verse three when it says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So she committed her actions to the Lord. She committed her actions and was obedient to what the man of God said for her to do, what the Lord had said to him to tell her to do. And that's exactly what happened. God was faithful to his promises because he always is. Amen. I don't know. That to me was just so good. Going on to the second verse. Or it says, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. I'll talk about a little bit more about it later, but I, I struggled finding examples for some reason. I don't know what it was, but people being pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Now, I know that the Bible talks a lot about that, especially um, in like the book of Romans or Galatians or, um, you know, in any of the epistles, really talking about like how the mind of the mind of people today are are blinded the hearts the heart is deceitful and and things like that but I struggle to find examples of this and I I don't know so anyway go to the book of Acts I'm going to be reading in the book of Acts chapter 9 and I'm going to be reading from verses 1 through 20 so Long reading, but stick with me. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation and the arrest of any followers of the way he found there, and the way is Jesus. 
He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down on him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street of the house to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the, on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Okay, so verse 2 says, All the man, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. And in the NLT it says he weighs the motives. He looks at the motives. So here in, in verse 1 of Acts chapter 9, It says, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he wanted to kill the Lord's followers. And if you don't know really anything about Saul, um, you can read more about him in the book of Acts. It kind of just gives a little bit of background for of who he is. Saul or Paul was a Jew and he was essentially a Pharisee, I think. But he he was a religious leader in that day, and he was one of the people who believed in God. He believed in Yahweh, Jehovah, but he didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. So when all of these things started happening in the Church of Acts and in the Book of Acts, people were starting to persecute the followers of Jesus Christ. So Paul literally wanted to murder every single person who followed Jesus Christ, every single disciple, every single apostle. He wanted to to murder all of them. In verse 2 of Proverbs chapter 16, it says, all the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. So Paul thought he was doing, Saul thought he was doing good in the Lord's eyes. He thought he was, he thought he was a good person. He thought, you know, I need, I have to do this because these people are saying that this stuff is God. And if you read the Gospels and if you read in the book of Acts, um, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and, and the 
um, Sadducees and all of those religious leaders, they did not believe that Jesus was the son of God. They thought it was blasphemy and by works of the devil that all of these things, all of these miracle signs and wonders were happening. And in reality, they knew that it was not demonic, but they were so holding on to the religious traditions. But anyway, when Paul, I guarantee you, Paul did not think that he was doing wrong in his sight. I bet you he thought that he was doing the Lord's work by killing all of the followers of Jesus Christ. But it says that the Lord looks at the motives. He looks at the spirit. And at the end of the day, what spirit was Paul or Saul operating in? What were his motives? What were his true motives? Because he may have thought that his motives were right, but the Lord sees through our deception. The Lord sees past us being deceived. There have been many times in my life or many times even since I've been saved where I thought that my motives were good. I thought my motives were pure. But now that I'm not in the season that I used to be in, I was like, oh, no, I had an ulterior motive in me doing that. And now that I'm walking more by the spirit, I can be more in tune with the spirit of God. Now I'm more in tune with the spirit of God. And it's not even really something that I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's a little bit of deceit in me. You know, I'm not a perfect person. All I'm saying is that now, whenever I do something, I always have to remind myself, check your motives. What are your motives in doing this? What are your motives in saying this? What are your motives in posting this and going into this place? You know, always checking your motives because that's what God does. What I feel in my head, oh yeah, I might have pure intentions in doing this, but what are my motives? There was actually this time um, where when I first got saved, there was this guy, not when I first got saved, but I was still kind of a new believer. Um, There was this guy that I was, you know, I was talking to and he wasn't a believer. I was sharing the gospel with him and he seemed very interested. I was showing him Jesus and giving him Bible verses and just like trying to get this guy saved. And I wanted him to be saved because that's always been my desire. Like me having a call as an evangelist, I love to see souls being saved. I love to see people changing their lives for the better by making Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. I love to see people who are on their way to hell being brought out of that kingdom of darkness and being set free because that's what Jesus does. But there is this guy and I was sharing the gospel with him, but I was also being very like confusing as well because he very clearly expressed his feelings for me. And I told him, I'm not going to date somebody who's not a believer. I'm not going to date somebody who isn't a Christian. And then it kind of shifted from me like wanting to share the gospel with him to me wanting to get him saved so I could be in a relationship with him. And I'm just, I'm being transparent. I'm being honest. My actions and the things that I said and the things that I did, you know, like I was staying up on the phone, like really late at night. Like that's only something that people in relationships should be doing. And even still as a Christian, mm -mm, you don't need to be on the phone with somebody in the middle of the night. If you're a single Christian and I mean single as in not married, 
you don't need to be on the phone with somebody that late at night. The Bible says your enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he will, who he should devour or who he might devour. That's just like a setup. Like, no. So anyway, my motives were right at first when I had no feelings for him. But then it was just like, okay, I still care about your soul. I still want to see you being saved. But now that we're talking about relationships, I'm not going to date somebody who's not saved. I'm not going to date somebody who's not a Christian. So if you want to date me, you got to get saved. And then that, that kind of became the focus. And at this point, this was probably like two years ago. I mean, it was literally like recently after I was like, yep, I'm fully in it, giving my life to God. You know, so probably like two years or a year and a half ago when all that stuff went down. And I know better than that now. So not to say like I'm a... I've arrived or I've made it because we never will, but like I know way more than I knew then. So yeah, I just wanted, I just, I don't know why I shared that, but I did. So that's a personal example in my life where I didn't see any wrong in the time. I didn't think that I did anything wrong. Even at that point in time, like when we had, when we ended up like not talking anymore, I didn't see anything wrong with what I did. My ways were right in my eyes. They were pure in my eyes because I genuinely wanted to see that guy get saved. Never did I want, never did I have like any, like, I didn't want to, I didn't, I knew what my mission was and the lines got blurred. I was only to preach the gospel to him, but the lines got blurred. So in my eyes, my way, like in my ways, I thought I was pure in that. I didn't see anything wrong with what I did, but the Lord looks at the motives. And now that I am distanced from that, now that I'm like, you know, past that in time and also in like, I don't, I don't have any communication with him anymore. But now that I'm distanced from that, I can see that my motives were not pure the entire time. So verse three in Proverbs chapter 16 says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And in the Amplified, I'll read it again. It says, commit your works to the Lord, submit and trust them to him and your plans will succeed if you respond to his will, to his will and guidance. And we've talked about it before, but we know that his will is his word. His will can be known. I've talked about that in an episode entitled his will. And I think there's another episode, um, I know there's another episode, but I think it's called To Know God, and that's where I talked about his will again, knowing his will. So we can know his will, and we can know when he's guiding and leading us, because he's our leader and he's our guide. Like, you know, that's just a given. But if you commit your works to the Lord, it says, if you commit your actions to the Lord, your plans will succeed. I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 8 through 20 to give you a point on that. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 8 through 20. And this is a story of Samuel's parents. Samuel is a prophet in the Bible, a prophet, a man of God um, called by the Lord. And this is about his parents and how Samuel came to exist. Verse 8 says, why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask, why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? 
Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at the customary at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah when Elkanah slept with Hannah, and the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I ask the Lord for him. Hannah committed her actions to the Lord, and it says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, that if you commit your actions to the Lord, your plans will succeed. So Hannah committed her actions to the Lord. She said, Lord of hosts, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. She said he will be yours for his entire life. And as a sign that he is dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. So she committed her actions to the Lord. And what does the Bible say? Your plans will succeed. And guess what? Her plan succeeded because she got the child. And then not only did she get one child, but because God, because the Lord that we serve, his name, one of his names is Jehovah Jireh, the God of more than enough. She not only got her one son, but she got more children. He is a God of abundance. He is an abundant God and a good God, benevolent. And it's never his will for a woman to be barren because he put it in his word to be fruitful and multiply. That was a command. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. This is another verse that I used in that in that podcast episode that I talked to you, talked to you guys about just now, um, to know God, but focusing more on the other side of it when it comes to us, like, yes, we can know the will of God, but also when we know that we're following the Lord, when we know that we're submitted and surrendered to him, that everything that we do, everything that we do when we are following and being led by the Holy Spirit, when you are following and being led by the Holy Ghost, that everything that you set your hand to will prosper. Everything, every action that you commit to the Lord will succeed. You will succeed in all that you do because you are submitted to the Lord. 
That's another thing that's written in Deuteronomy chapter 28. These are blessings on Israel's obedience. Blessings on our obedience. It says the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. So when you are submitted and surrendered to the Lord, when you're submitted and surrendered and walking by his spirit, walking in faith, it says submit and trust your works to God and your plans will succeed. If you submit and trust your works to God, he will bless the work of your hands. So in verse one of Proverbs chapter 16, it says, it says we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. So in first Kings, the verse that I read about the, the woman, the widow woman and her son, she said her plan was to make their last meal and then her and her son were going to die. That was their plan. But the Lord gave the right answer. That answer was sent through Elijah. In Acts chapter 9, Saul's plan was to go and kill and persecute the believers of Jesus. That was Saul's plan. But the right answer was him being changed from Saul to Paul. Him having a Damascus Road experience. The Lord's answer was, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well to the people of Israel. So Saul wanted to kill people who believed in Jesus. And Jesus wanted to make Saul his chosen instrument to spread the gospel, to spread the good news to Gentiles, kings, and people of Israel. So we make our own plans. Like what plan have you made in your life that has not been submitted to the will of God? What is the plan that you see yourself in your life making for your for your own life that hasn't been surrendered and submitted to God? Is it to work a nine to five job until you turn 65 and are able to retire? Is it to do something that's going to bring you a lot of wealth? but you're not walking in your purpose? Is it to just live a, a quiet lifestyle and not really be bothered by the things that the word of God tell us to do? Like, what are the plans that you've made in your life? What are the goals that you've set that have not come from the Lord? And listen to me very clearly. I'm not saying that God wants you to be broke. I'm not saying that God wants you to be poor. I'm not saying that he wants you to, to live a sad life, but what he gives is joy. You will receive joy when you're walking in obedience to the Lord. One of the fruits of the spirit, walking by the spirit, one of the fruits of the spirit is joy, is joy, it's joy. That's a fruit of the spirit. You don't get the fruits of the spirit. You don't get the fruit of the spirit by walking in the flesh. And you can read Galatians chapter five. So you can see the fruit of walking in your flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. So you get joy when you're walking by the spirit. And last Sunday, in last Sunday's episode, let me look and see what that's titled. I, there's so many now I, I keep forgetting what they're, what they're called. Until he became very prosperous. Go listen to that one. And I break down. There's two actually. The first one is 
kill discontentment in your life. And then the second one is until he became very prosperous. I break down me and my friend in the first one. And then in the second one, we go through and break down in the word of God, why it is God's will for you to prosper scriptures on prosperity. He wants you to prosper. He doesn't want you to be broke. He doesn't want you to be poor. He doesn't want you to lack. He wants you to be in his will. That's what I will say. He wants you to be in his will. So by you working a nine to five job for your entire life and waiting until the day that you can retire, you're checking off the years until you can retire. And my age demographic and my audience is very scattered. So I have people who are like 15 listening to me. And then I have people who are like 45 that listen to me. So it's a very broad age demographic, which I love. Praise the Lord for that. But if you as a 17 year old are like, well, I want to do this thing so I never have to work for anybody. So I can be financially free. Is that a desire that you have or is that a desire that God has? And I'm not saying that it's God's desire for you to work for somebody. I'm just saying, make sure you're in tune with the Lord and make sure you're doing what he's telling you to do. I'm not God and I don't know, but God knows. And you submit and you surrender your plans to him. You commit your actions to him and you will be successful in everything that you do. You will prosper in everything that you do because those are promises of God and he's not a liar. Or if you're like 25 and you got like the best job offer that you've ever gotten in your entire life. It's like a dream position that you want to do. But if you know that if you take that position, if you accept that position, it's going to do severe damage to your relationship with God. If you know that that job you're going to have to work on Sundays or you're not going to be able to go to church or you're not going to be able to go to your small group anymore or you're not going to be able to do the things that you were doing before. If that job is going to come with a sacrifice of you spending time with the Lord, that is not a job opportunity that the Lord placed into your hands. No, ma'am. No, sir. It's not. So you can make your own plans, but God gives you the right answer. You have to be in tune with God so he can give you that right answer, though. If you're walking in the flesh, it's going to make it harder to hear God. And I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible at all. Because God will speak to you whatever way he can get through to you. But it's very important to be walking by the spirit because then you can just avoid all of those things. People may be pure in their own eyes, verse 2 says. But the Lord examines their motives. And this goes for believers and non-believers. Because I was a believer in that story that I shared with you. Obviously, I was sharing the gospel. I was a believer in the gospel. But now today, like, you'll see it's very, I don't know, maybe it's our generation or my generation. But honestly, not even that really. Like, it's, it's every generation, if you ask me. Where people will say, no, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. You know, and maybe they genuinely are, like, a, a a cool person, you know? Maybe they, like, don't murder people and they don't take advantage of people. They're not a thief, you know? Like, maybe they're, you know, just a genuine, like, kind person. But people always look at themselves 
and are like I'm a, it do, it literally doesn't matter like I've heard of like interviews like before when I used to listen and watch this stuff I would hear like serial killers say that they were good people people are literally blind to their own actions the bible says that the god of this world has blinded people people are literally blind to their own actions they are ignorant of their own actions nobody thinks that they're a bad person nobody thinks that they're a horrible person until you get hit with the truth nobody will sit here and tell you nope i'm a bad person i'm the worst as they get i'm like i'm the worst as they come i'm just a terrible terrible person no they're not going to tell you that they everybody thinks that they're a good person nobody thinks that they're bad you know i think people are willing to admit oh i'm not perfect that's fine nobody is perfect but if you ask somebody do you think you're a good person they could have literally just punched their wife in the face and they'll be like yep i'm a good person People think that they are pure in their own eyes. It says people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We judge people by how they look on the outside, but God sees the heart. Some people will literally be like in full blown, like adulterous relationships (laughs) and like go out partying and drinking and having wild parties and sinning against their own body and then sinning against their sinning against against other people's bodies and they'll be like yeah i'm a good person they will cuss somebody out for over over something petty like road rage and like during in the beginning of the pandemic like people were literally getting in fights over toilet paper like stupid things like that but you i guarantee you ask any one of those people Are you a good person? And they'll say, yeah, I'm a good person. The person, the man who punches his wife in the face, the woman who's been having affairs with her husband, the man who just cussed somebody out for cutting them off in traffic, or the woman who shoved somebody at the grocery store because they took the last of something that they needed. But you ask any one of those people and they'll tell you, I'm a good person. I'm a great person. I don't do bad things. I'm not a bad person. I've never killed anybody. So that's your standard. (laughs) You've never killed anybody. Great. Anyway. So yeah, God always looks at the motives. He always checks the motives. But people look at themselves like they're pure. People look at themselves like there's nothing wrong. And verse 3 says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Anybody from Genesis to Revelation, and I don't think Revelation really talks about it too much, but anybody who submitted to God, anybody who committed their actions to the Lord, their plans definitely succeeded. Anybody who committed their actions to the Lord. Their plans most definitely succeeded because God cannot be separated from his word. He cannot do anything. He can't go against his word. He can't contradict his word because he is his word. He can't not do what the word says. 
You know, I wasn't going to read this one because I forgot it. I forgot to read it. So I was just kind of going to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit, which I'm glad that I did because kind of just brought something else to my mind now that I'm thinking about it. But I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 4 and I'm going to read verses 6 through 7. Now, if you don't know, this is the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were both bringing their sacrificial offerings to God. Abel's offering was pleasing to God. Cain's was not so much. Cain got mad, jealous. I don't know. He got mad because his brother's was acceptable to the Lord and Cain's was not. It says, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. So Cain got very angry after that. So in verse six, it says, and the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? And why do you look annoyed? If you do well, believing me and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, but ignore my instruction, sin crouches at your door. It, it, its desire is for you to overpower you, but you must master it. Verse 8 says, One day Cain suggested to his brother, Let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence, and you have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. So, I don't know. I don't know how Cain was feeling, because I'm not Cain. I wasn't there. I'm not God. I don't know how Cain was feeling, other than what the Bible says. And some translations say dejected. Some translations say his countenance fell. Some translations say that he was annoyed, angry you know? So yeah, he was pretty mad before he killed his brother. But what I do know is that he tried to hide the fact that he killed his brother. So he knew it was wrong. He says, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's guardian? When God asks, where's your brother? But the fact that he said that his punishment was too great for him to bear, it goes to show that he didn't realize the gravity. He didn't realize the weight of what he had done. So I don't know if Cain thought he was a good person in his own sight. I don't know if he would have said, yeah, I'm a good person. What I did wasn't wrong. And the reason why I'm reading this is because in Proverbs chapter 16, verse one, where I'm sticking at the focus scripture of this podcast, it says we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. So before, before Cain was going to murder his brother, Abel, God told him, you know, seeing that he, that his countenance fell, he was angry, dejected, annoyed, seeing that, God seeing that and knowing that and knowing what he had planned to do. He told him, sin is crouching at your door, but you can master it. You can be its master. So the Lord gave him the right answer 
And that answer was, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, then sin is lying at the door and its desire is to rule over you. But you should rule over sin. So Cain had made his own plan. God gave him the answer. Then he then and in verse two, it says people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the motives. I don't know if Cain thought he was pure in his own eyes, but he definitely didn't think that he was deserving of the punishment that he got. God had already examined his motives, seeing what was going to happen beforehand. And then it says, if you commit your actions to the Lord, then your plans will succeed. Cain did not commit his actions to the Lord by killing his brother. So because of that, his plans did not succeed. Cain was banished from the ground that he killed his brother on. That the ground will no longer yield good crops for him, no matter how hard he works. And he will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. He said he was cursed and banished. So... Just in my in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I don't really think that, I mean, not even an opinion, just this, this is a fact. Cain did not submit his, uh, he did not commit his actions to the Lord, right? That was purely b- based on flesh and carnal human nature to murder his brother. So his, his, his plans, his actions were not committed to the Lord. So he didn't succeed, you know, from that point on, it said that it was, he was going to have to work no matter how hard he worked. He was not going to be able to get the ground to produce for him. He was banished and cursed and made a homeless wanderer on the earth. And I don't want to focus too much on like Old Testament things because people can often where you're at right now in your relationship with God it's very easy to to start to look at these things like oh this is applicable to today and in some ways yes it is but also no it's not because we're we can we're you can't curse a child of God we have the Holy Spirit living in us children of God cannot be cursed unless you allow a curse to come upon you and that just comes from an identity issue but anyway um Some of the things that happened in the Old Testament are not applicable to today where we're at because this was under, there was no covenant at the time. We are now under a covenant, but we're under the new covenant as well. But I want you to know that God's word is applicable to what is going on in every believer's life today and even non-believers, whether they want to admit it or not. And his word is true. So when it says that If you make your own plan, the Lord will give you the right answer. It says that. It says that people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. And it says that if you commit your plans, if you commit your actions to the Lord, then your plans will succeed. And in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5, verse 5, when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. It says, Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. That is a true thing. If you are seeking his will in everything that you do, if you are surrendered and submitted to him, then he will direct your path. It's impossible for him not to. The Bible says that he leads us into all truth. Psalm chapter 119 verses 105 and 106 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. 
I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. Psalm 119 is just so good. I want to read the whole thing now, but I'm not going to do that. But his word is like a lamp unto our feet, and it lights and directs and guides our path. And it always comes with a condition because you can't be walking in the flesh. You cannot walk in the flesh and also simultaneously walk in the spirit. You can't do that. It's one or the other. Jesus talks about serving two masters and people like to say, well, that's about money. It's just about anything. You can't serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. That's why the first commandment is that you have to, that there's no other God before him. There's no other God before the one true God. You can only serve one master. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says, Those who are dominated by the flesh think about sinful things. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says, Those who are dominated by the flesh think about things of the flesh, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about those things that please the Spirit. So letting your flesh control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the flesh is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their flesh can never please God. But you are not controlled by your flesh. You are controlled by the spirit, if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of, this, because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God has raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So when you are walking by the flesh, you are dominated by the things of the flesh. And what are the things of the flesh? Well, if you go to Galatians chapter 5, it says that sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like those are fruit of you walking in the flesh. It's a fruit. It's something that comes from you walking by your flesh and not walking in the spirit of God. And then to verse 22, it goes on to say, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives, in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You cannot be walking in the flesh and walking by the spirit at the same time. There's just no way. The second your flesh starts to rise up above your spirit, you're out, of, you're out of tune. Not to say that God is no longer with you. Not to say that the Holy Spirit isn't living in you anymore. Not to say that he's not there helping you and leading you and guiding you. Because he is. God is always speaking. Holy Spirit is always in you once he's in you. And he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And he's always trying to guide and direct your path. But you cannot allow him to do that by walking in the flesh. 
The second you start walking in the flesh is the second that you're no longer walking in the spirit. The second that the fruit of walking in the flesh starts to come up in your life, starts to being produced in your life, is the second that you know that, hey, I'm not in tune with the spirit of God right now. I'm not walking in the spirit anymore. I'm walking by the flesh. And I talked all about that in another episode of the podcast, and I think it's called Not By Might, Not By Power, But By Your Spirit. So if you want to listen to that and learn more about freedom in Christ, freedom from the flesh and walking in the spirit, you can go listen to that episode. But right now, if you have been walking in your flesh or if you are not submitted and committing your plans to the Lord, but you are somebody who looks at your life and you're like, oh, well, I'm a good person, but you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do that with me right now. And it's important because one day this life is going to end. This world is going to end. It's going to cease to exist. Jesus Christ is coming back for his children, for his followers. He's coming back. And today is the day that you can make the choice to know that I am certain that when Jesus Christ comes back or before the day that I die, I am going to go home with my heavenly father. I am going home to be with the Lord. I am not going to hell. And today is the day that you can make that decision and know for sure of where you're going to be spending the rest of your eternity. So if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today, if you've never done it before, or if you've done it in the past, but you never fully committed to serving him for the rest of your life, You can do that with me right now because I know that there are a lot of people who said a prayer at church when they were 10 years old, who said a prayer at church when they were 15 years old, but they never committed in their heart that today is the day that I am going to change my life. Today is the day that I am going to allow the Holy Ghost to move in my life. Today is the day that I am surrendering it all to my heavenly father and I'm going to live my life for him. The, my life, my life is no longer mine. I am living this life for him to see his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, to go into all the earth and share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, to walk in the purpose that he has given me to submit my life to him and know that he will give me the desires of my heart. If you want to make that decision, if you want to pray that prayer, and say, this is the day that I'm going to do those things. Today is the day that I'm going to start walking in freedom. Today is the day that I'm going to serve Jesus for the rest of my life. You can pray that with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I have sinned and I repent. I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again just for me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, come into my heart and give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you did that, you are now set free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to your fleshly desires. But you can now walk by the Spirit because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You are now a temple of the living God. 
And most importantly, everybody in heaven right now is rejoicing because you gave your life to Jesus. Because there was one person who was on their way to hell, but they met the Lord and now they're now they're going to spend the rest of their eternity. When this life passes, they're going to spend the rest of their eternity in heaven with the Lord. I'm going to pray for you guys before I go. And I just want to say right now, thank you guys so much for listening and thank you for being here. Father, I thank you for every person who is under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord, for blessing them. I thank you, Father, that you pour out your blessing on them. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give them the grace and the anointing to walk in your spirit, to walk in the path that you have set before them. I thank you, Lord, that every single person who's listening will choose life today, that they will no longer walk the path of death, but they will choose life. They won't walk in the curse, but they will walk in the blessing. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that you give us freedom, freedom over our flesh, freedom over sin, freedom over oppression that the enemy would try to put on us. I thank you, Lord, that we can submit and commit our plans to you. We can commit our actions to you, Lord, and that you will bring us success. I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. Every single word in your word is true. And I thank you, Lord, that your word says that when we make our own plans, that you give us the right answer. I thank you, Father, for examining our motives and exposing our motives to us so that we can change for the better, so that we can change and be the person that you want us to be, to become more like you. And I thank you, Lord, that because we walk by your spirit, because we walk surrendered and submitted to you, Lord, that you make us successful. My prayer for every single person who is listening right now is that they start walking in that they start walking by the spirit and not by their flesh they walk a life that is holy that is a sacrifice a living sacrifice to you lord a life that is pleasing to you i thank you lord that you give us the power to do that in jesus name in every area that the enemy has been trying to oppress them, I rebuke him in Jesus' name, and I thank you, Lord, for freedom. They will have victory in that area of their life, and I thank you, and I praise you for it even now in Jesus' name, that even the bondages, even the chains that have been oppressing them and holding them back, I thank you, Lord, that they are broken today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm praying for you guys and I love you guys so much. Subscribe to the podcast. That way you get notifications whenever I post or upload a podcast. And yeah, I'll be talking to you guys tomorrow with another episode of A Year of No Fear. Bye.